Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I love Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. John and Justin here. The All-Star break is in the rearview mirror. The stats would be impressive for Brown and Tatum if everybody didn't score four point, 40 points in the game anyway. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite number 17 is not so lucky for Jalen Brown in the three-point contest. But uh, but all in all, I actually caught some. I actually I watched the first half of the game. The uh, dunk contest really left uh, a tremendous amount to, to be desired, uh, in my opinion. But uh, but I stuck through that, and then and then I went to bed, and um, you know I actually caught some John. You know I didn't I didn't hey. just tune out. Look at you, look at you. We're all girls contest. Here. So weird, dude. <laughs> Two weeks prior to the All-Star break, Justin was as negative as he's ever been on the show. Now he's drinking the All-Star (laughs) Kool-Aid. This this is what a pandemic does. It breaks out. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I'm up. I'm down. I'm I'm watching Fox. I'm watching NBC. I'm watching Fox. I'm watching NBC. The whole thing. Just crazy. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I thought, you know, the, I thought three point contest was, was probably the most entertaining of the three, which sometimes doesn't, isn't the case, but you can thank Steph Curry for that. I mean, I think, I think Conley had a good show. I thought Tatum played, you know, shot the ball decently. Uh, you know, I thought it was fine. It was good. Uh, I agree. The three point contest is, was not, you know, not in the top half or uh, or middle third maybe of all three of all dunk contests I've seen, but it was okay. I actually liked the the change in scoring this year. They yeah, with the way they ended pick, it. Pick, pick one, one of the other guy. You know, like Gordon got Aaron Gordon got screwed last year badly uh, by how Dwayne Wade pulled that, and uh, so I actually liked that. I think they got to go away from the like one to ten stuff though. Like, why not just let him pick one to a hundred? You know, like, 
it, it just it creates this weird thing where like three, it, I, I think it just it's not a fair as fair a representation. I think they should just do it all like the final round. Pick the guy that they thought did the best. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, if you have a lot of if you have a lot of guys, like six guys, I don't know how many they're doing. Four, I think, is was what they were doing last year. Just anybody who gets a vote moves on, and if one person wins it unanimously, dude, that way they here's the problem with the dunk contest. Can't do that. No, yeah, you can. Yes, <laughs> no, you can. Then it's over. They no, gotta no, have three no, hours listen. of TNT. Uh, listen, you know, listen, drama. listen to my argument. The reason <laughs> is is that it winds up being anticlimactic because everybody's trying to save something and then they don't get there and you never see their best dunk. This way, you get everybody's best dunk, like or at least one of their top dunks on the first attempt. You know, yeah, that's, right. that's a major issue, you know, or or everybody does three rounds and then they vote for the best of all three rounds and the top voter gets it and they have a dunk off in case of a tie, you know, don't eliminate people then, you know what I mean? Get all the dunks, get them all out there. Cause I, you're just leaving too much on the table for, for, for something, you know, like it doesn't have to be elimination. It can just be best man wins. Yeah. I I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go too much further on this, but, but I think, I, I think that there's always that question of is the best dunker, in a in a given contest is that the person who should win who had the best you know series of dunks through the contest or is it the guy who has the one dunk that you remember you know what i mean like there's but they always still vote that way at the end you can still vote that way but we can get sure. everybody's best dunks that's yes what but if you're like if every round it's like well, we're going to pick this guy you know you know, then do the, do the dunks get worse as you get through each round? I, I don't know. I don't. It either way, I, I like it better. But no, there's you know, a showmanship. Maybe we should piece. have guys who had a saying. chance to dunk once in a game. Cassius Stanley, I've seen dunk quite a bit because he he played for Duke last year, and so I knew he, what he was capable of. But don't put somebody in the dunk contest who has never dunked in an NBA game. That makes the contest look a little foolish. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. All right, we can move on from All Star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at me. I'm the one that wants to stop talking about the All Star game. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck is going on? It's a bizarre world here the last few shows. Oh, man. It is. That's all right. Um, so, all right. So now that we're through, Marcus Smart's on the way back. Romeo Langford was. Now he's not. And. Um, what, oh, yeah, buyout season and potential trades, and, you know, we're kind of getting into the what's this roster going to look like in the postseason, you know, and for the final stretch, and can they climb? They won four games heading into the break. They're back about 500. How far can they climb? What's a reasonable expectation? Yeah, I think that's, you know, the kind of the outlook there for the second half is really interesting. You know, usually – we do this, you know, we always, we kind of have this chat around the all-star game, but the all-star game is never actually halfway in the middle of the season. It's usually like closer to the two third mark, you know, because of they don't want to, you know, get in the middle of football and all that other stuff. So, you know, this year it's actually, it's in the middle. And so we can really have a really clear demarcation point between what was and what is. And like, 
when you stop and look at like the first half, you're like, obviously very few things could have gone worse for the Celtics. Um, there are things that could have gone worse, but let's not mention them. Cause that just, you know, <laughs> that's just a foolish uh, well, exercise. You mean, so like everybody could have gotten injured. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's, there are worse things, but like, honestly, it, it when we were talking about expectations going into the season, we thought the first half would be rough. It was probably was worse than what we expected. Um, there were positive signs through that stretch. There were things that probably went better than we might have thought. Like Rob Williams, I think his his resurgence or, or his emergence has been great. Peyton Pritchard, certainly. Um, not as much Grant Williams as we might have hoped for. Not as, you know, certainly Romeo didn't come back yet. But now having said all that, you know, they're, they're sitting at fourth in the East, right? Uh, and, you know, we've still sit on the precipice of making a move at the deadline, you know, here in a couple of weeks or a week and a half or whatever it is. I mean, they're poised to do really what we would have expected all along. So, you know, I think it's it's a good opportunity to kind of cleanse the palate. And then now let's see what we're capable of, what this team is capable of uh, over the next, what, three months or so that's uh, left in this regular season. Do you um, do you think it's worth a rental for this season, you know, where you really, you know, mortgage much? Well, yeah, so that's – I think that's a great argument, right, because, like, are you so far out of it? Are you so far behind that it's not worth it? Not even just that. Just is this the season? You know, how much faith do you have that, you know, if they're willing? Because when I say mortgage, I guess what I really mean as well is like overpay because that's usually how it's going to go down, you know. And this is a weird season. There's there's probably bargains to be had. I mean, it, what did you you told me I, I missed this earlier today, but Marcus Aldridge got bought out. Is that what you said? Well, he's he's not playing, and it's expected that he's they're looking for trades, and if they can't get one, then he's he's done. Basically, he's not going back to the Spurs. So he's played his last game as a Spur, and he's either going to be traded or he's going to be bought out. So he'll, he he's a buyout candidate at this point immediately. Yeah. Uh, Assuming the Spurs can't make a deal, and you know, there's can't imagine there's a lot of teams that would want to make that deal right now. But you know, I, you know, I don't think the Lakers necessarily. It, <clears throat> regardless, I mean, it's not a costly deal. It's moving salary around really, and he's an expiring contract, so there's there's not a lot to to, to deal with. And you wouldn't have I, to throw I, much in. Yeah, I get it. No. Yeah. So that's so, what I'm thinking. There might be yeah. some like buy low kind of opportunities like that that I think is more up Danny Ainge's wheelhouse. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think he really wants to to move a lot by way of future picks or young talent um to try to get a rental player for this year. I I really don't. I, I can't see it. Unless unless he thinks he's really got a shot to re-sign him. Yeah, I, I think he's the first goal is to find somebody who's going to be here for a bit. You know, I don't think he's he, I don't think he wants to use the TPE um, or the type of assets the Celtics have 
he doesn't have assets that he can afford to just kind of throw away in my mind. You know, yeah. now having said that, they've used, you know, number one picks in the last two years in part, not totally, but in part, uh, to dump players' salaries. So it, to, that, that they, they had a purpose, but, you know, it, it's not exactly to add, add talent to the roster directly. But having said that, I, I don't think that, I don't think they can afford to do that. I don't. I don't think they can afford to throw, you know, to do a Rodney Rogers deal, which is, you know, kind of the, I think probably the worst deal the Celtics have made, which was of course the Joe Johnson trade uh, out to to Phoenix, getting Tony Delk back and Rodney Rogers back. Great player, you know, very helpful towards that 2002 run. Uh, invaluable. The Celtics would not have made that run without those two guys, no doubt. Rogers walks, um, you know, and you lost a guy who's a potential Hall of Famer uh, in Joe Johnson. They can't afford to do those deals, and I'm not, I don't know that Romeo Langford or or Aaron Neesmith could be that guy, or, or Grant Williams, or I, I don't I don't think we see that necessarily directly. But like at the same point, I don't think the Celtics can afford to make a deal like that right now. They need to get more back. And something that's sustainable for a period of time. That, and that's why the Harrison Barneses and the and the Aaron Gordons are, are probably so attractive, or the Nick Vucevic. Um, it's like if you're gonna go in, go in, <laughs> go in yeah. all the way. You yeah. know, don't like half, don't dip your toe in the water. Like get somebody real. If you're if you're gonna get somebody who's real low cost, then yeah. Otherwise, get the seconds. Bargain. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If you're not gonna go big. Then add some bargain people and see what you can patch together. Like I don't mind the the idea of a George Hill. I, I think that would be a fine mm-hmm. type deal. You know, he's he's switchable. He runs a team. He can shoot it. You know, I mean, he's been there, which has been kind of my under the current complaint about this team. Right. Not Love some locker room, locker room people, sure. vets. Yep, that don't exactly. have to get all the minutes. Right. I don't know that Jeff. I don't know that 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 you know Teague is that was the guy that to kind of fill that role. George Hill could be that guy. You know, he's played with LeBron. He's I mean, he's been everywhere. Um, I, I think that would be a, a great fit. But am I going to give up a number one to get him? I don't think so. No, you know, that's a that's a couple seconds. That's a you know, <laughs> you know, and that's that type of thing where like okay to make that deal go. You know, you send out Tristan Thompson. You you know. I, I, I don't I don't know exactly what it'd take to get that deal done because certainly you have to entice someone to take on uh, an extra year of Tristan Thompson to make that work. But I don't know. I just I don't feel like I don't think that's a bad that deal ability. for a team. His salary isn't so big that they should be pissed about that. I don't the extra year of his salary. Nah, I guess it versus an expiring contract or something. Right. Maybe I, I guess I get what you're saying. Yeah. They're, they're losing their some of their financial flexibility that they're trying to gain this mm-hmm. summer, maybe. But who's really available this summer? Who's coming up on the free agent pool? It's it's not very deep right now because yeah. So I'm not sure that that's got a lot of value, but that's where the, that. that's where the pick comes in. If you're well, yeah, right. And that's the other thing is that in Windhorse, Brian Windhorse wrote about this quite a bit in January. Uh, there's not many teams that have their own number one pick. Like there's not many teams that have 
picks available to trade who are also contenders. I mean, the number of teams who are contenders who have kind of emptied the chamber for all their number ones to get, you know, Paul George or to get Drew Holiday or to get, you know, Kristaps Porzingis or to get, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, your competition, uh, you know, for, let's say a guy like Harrison Barnes, right? Um, who are you competing against? What What is, you know, the Lakers are going to have to give up a player, you know, so they're sending back salary to do that. Um, if you're, you know, all of those teams, really. So you're going to have to add value in players. You're going to have to add value in, 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 in those types of assets that make it a little bit more difficult to make a deal. Whereas the Celtics, you know, right now the pick's not that high. <laughs> you know, really. Right. Know? And and then on the on top of that, you've got a situation where there's so few teams that can actually use their own number one, uh, you know, or a number one at all to to trade for them. So you're I'm not saying you're you're not competing against yourself, but you're certainly in a situation I think where the market that you typically have had in the last three four years. Where well, I'll just throw a number one at it. Philly will throw a number one at it, or you know, Houston will throw a number one at it and get this player. Like that doesn't exist right now because there just aren't the picks out there available. I mean, the number of picks that, that OKC have under their control, or or the Pelicans have under their control, you know, like are those teams going to try to outbid you for Harrison Barnes? Probably not. I don't think so. Uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of teams that are in that position now. So it's a different market right now, I think. And so maybe you have to. And a weird ass to, year. But not. A weird ass year to begin no. with. And so, you you know, how how pressed do you feel like clubs are in general to make this a big year just because of how weird it is anyway? Yeah. See, that's I think that's that's the hard thing. I don't think many of them are. I think. I think they're concerned about money. I think they're concerned about taking on money. Uh, I mean, just to talk about Sacramento, Sam Amick wrote a pretty interesting article about where Sacramento is and, and what they're doing. And, you know, when you see things and details in there about, you know, making calls around minority orders to kick in extra funds so that way they can make payroll, you know what I mean? Like, that's not a good sign. That's not a team that's like, Oh no, we're gonna keep our salaries high, and we're gonna, you know, even though we're tenth or we're, we're like thirteenth or something in the West, uh, we're gonna we're gonna push through. I mean, it's stupid. <laughs> get off your get off the money, you know, uh, get off that you know twenty million, and and be done with it. And and there's a real value, extra value for those small market teams that are in situations like that, you know. So. For those types of teams, I, to me, I think they get out of it because I think the financial concerns are so great. But, you know, this play-in tournament does create situations where some teams, like Orlando, for example, seemingly is is going to hold on to Vucevic. That's the way they're talking right now. Maybe that changes in a week. But right now, they say that we're going to hold on to him. I think that's foolish. They're going nowhere. Next do you year, think? Do you think they think that there's a chance that I mean, you look at what's happening with some of the states. Do you think some of these clubs want to go ahead and gamble because they think there's a shot at actually getting people in the stands in the playoffs? 
Like legit people, not like yeah. a well, little right. bit. Like Florida, if you're a not Florida, pack, you're yeah, Texas. like so Orlando, right? Like, right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if that's part of it because that's a big. If you can get people in the stadium now, that's worth worth the gamble a little bit because you know you're going to generate some revenue. Yeah, I. But I, you know, it, even if they, even if they get there, right. So if they're a play-in team, they get through the play-in, then they got, you know, so like there's a, and the play-in is like only like one round. So you yeah, but somebody like, but a team like Orlando might be gambling not to have to play in, right? Like because look at the standings. <laughs> I know, but there's, there's a lot the, of opportunity there. I so. know, but they're so far. I mean, they're they're next to last in the East right now. You know what I mean? Like they're, how many they're games can't. behind Boston? Oh, uh, six, six games back of Boston. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I think they're, let's see, of 10th. They're only three games back of 10th or three and a half games back of 10th. So, yeah, is it shadow? Is it, they're, they're in shouting distance right now? Yeah. Yeah, but, but that's what you're saying. Their odds of doing it much with that are still pretty low. And they were pretty hot to start and, and precipitously cooled after, you know, the injuries to Markel Fultz and, I mean, they've they've just really kind of fallen off a cliff, and in, in, in that you know, so I don't understand Orlando. I think they're I think they're foolish. I, I I mean, I understand that they want to make the playoffs. They're probably not the the team to use as the comparison, you know. But <laughs> Cleveland, let's talk about Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland is a team that was really playing well. Um, you know, they're seemingly trying to get off money now. They're trying to get off uh, drama, and they're maybe you know Kevin Love. Um, you know, Larry Nance is a name that's been talked about can a lot. They stop, can they stop attaching Kevin Love to Boston in rumors? Like, please stop. It's not happening. Or Drummond. <laughs> Drummond yeah. would be – Drummond's the other one. I mean, to me, that's even even more ridiculous because at least with with Love, you can say, well, you know – He spaces the floor. It's almost the, it's almost the opposite of the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it is. Nance makes sense to me. <laughs> the, right. Not the other two. And he's been even more of a perimeter guy, I think, this year than, than what he has been in the past, largely because they're so oversized. But, uh, yeah, it's it it's kind of weird that, like, well, how about Kevin Love? And there was interest to have Kevin Love as a Celtic. We all remember that in 2013, 2014. But uh, that – well, that went by the wayside when the whole deal with LeBron and everything happened. So, I, I you know, I think that, that that ship has long since sailed. You know, just like the Blake, the Blake Griffin was never coming to Boston. That that would have been a terrible – I wouldn't have enjoyed that. Um, I think the LaMarcus Aldridge thing, if that was a buyout, that would be interesting. But I certainly wouldn't want to use the TPE, you yeah. know, for that sort of thing. And, and I think probably he's going to want to go to L.A. or go to – um, go to a team that seems more of a sure fit, a sure bet, I should say, to 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 win it all, you know, than than come to Boston. Even if you know, you know, there might there might possibly be a role for him here. Um, but yeah, I I know like Atlanta's another one, you know, like Atlanta's in that spot where, you know, there's they got 16 wins, they're 11th, you know. I can see why you'd lean in and try to get to the playoffs if you're if you're Atlanta. You know, but because they have, they do have talent. They just got to put it together. Um, but they there's some, there's they're, some older they're really gambling 
a little bit because they got, you know, they're going to have to re-sign some guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, John Collins is who I'm thinking of there, who I had my eye on. I don't love his new haircut, but um, but he <laughs> <laughs> he looks funny to me now. He looks so funny to me. I'm like, he looked like such a badass. Now he, yeah, he looks weird. Um, but, but either way, uh, that's a guy that it's going to want lots of money. They're, I mean, they're not going to pay it, right? <laughs> I, mean, I just can't see it. So mm-hmm. that's somebody that they got to be selling on. But again, if the price, if the asking price just isn't out there, I just wonder if some of those slip through the, slip through the cracks, you know, and you do get a, a decent deal on like a John Collins. Cause you know, what did he fail the drug test? There was concerns about attitude. You know, they don't want to pay him. Um, he wants a lot of money and maybe that keeps a team like Boston away. Um, or not, but it seems like you might be able to get him on a bargain. You just might. There's a chance. If there aren't enough buyers at the trade deadline, I th- I think there's definitely a way you can get him for a bargain. I think the the issue with like for Collins to, is whether or not it's worth it to one pay you know a perhaps a, a substantial draft lot you know draft pick for the right to give him a lot of money that his team he has right now won't give him. Now right. we've seen in Boston, nobody knows better about the idea of thinking a guy has a market value and then seeing that player get a good, a good measure beyond that on the free market. So, you know, who the hell are, are Celtics fans or the Celtics to say, you know, we have a good sense of what a guy's actual value is worth. But, um, I, you know, in terms of talent and ability, um, you know, it's all there. I, I think the, the, the better question, I mean, for the Celtics at least with John Collins is, you know, do they want to pay him, you know, $23, 25000000 million a year uh, and then, you know, then thus put them in a luxury tax and then thus put them in a situation where, um, you know, does he fit with the rest of the players? And then, you know, you have luxury tax concerns immediately next year. Um, you know, the one thing in Amex piece he talks about is that uh, the Celtics theoretically could be using themselves, set up their, their contracts in such a place so that they're back on the, you know, in the market to find a, a max guy in the summer of 2023. So, if, you know, after the, uh, the Kemba deal and the, and the Marcus Smart deals, you know, get done. If that's the case, then obviously that you, you're taking yourself out of that mix if you went and got John Collins, mm-hmm. you know, or Barnes anybody else who you're going to end up paying, right? Right. Pretty pretty much using the TPE puts you in that position. Well, no, I, no, because well, you, no, I see what you're saying because you could have a shorter contract with somebody who has exactly. a you could do the short term deal and that money could come off in time. Yeah, I Correct. got you. That's why the Barnes deal makes sense, maybe even more so than a Gordon deal, because Gordon's up next year. So then you're you're kind of you oh, got a gap, yeah, you know, and and you're you're having to go to market in 22 when you know the guys you maybe theoretically are interested in were available the following season. 
Um, but you know, I that's the first time I've heard any sort of idea that the Celtics might be lining up for the 23 season. But if you look at their contracts and when Kemba's up and when Smart's up, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, you know, that that's that's very likely uh, something that, that went into the uh, thought process. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah, I I love Collins. I, I've 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 come around on him. You I, you were high on him. I'm like, I don't know. I've come around on him a lot. I just uh, – He's athletic. He'll run the floor. Yeah. You know, he's got the length. And when you look at the – he's got the ability to do some inside damage, but he can do the outside damage. And we mm-hmm. just keep trying to fit these guys who who can't do both into a position. And And Robert Williams, honestly, is the only one that makes sense fully. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and not because he's an outside guy from a shooting standpoint. He's an outside guy because he does all the dribble handoffs and he does lots of screens. And when he rolls, his role is way more dangerous mm-hmm. than anybody else. So the fact that he, even though he's not shooting from beyond the arc, the fact that all the action is starting from beyond the arc, you know. Uh, makes up for it in ways that you don't get from Tristan Thompson and Tice. And so, um, but, you know, if you go get a guy like Collins, you're going to have to give up a guy like Rob, I think, unfortunately, um, which would suck because, you know, we love Rob and <laughs> and he and he's great. And it would be even better if he had the two of them. But the thing that Collins gives you is he gives you inside out and, you know, he can kind of do – not quite everything that Rob can do, but he can definitely shoot from outside. So, well, it's you know I think that that's it's a good question about what fit is, right? We talked a little bit about this last time, and the fit I think of who makes the most sense next to Jalen and Jason uh, is is really you know obviously uh, a big concern, and 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 the and the, the reason why. You know, the national media or outside observers kind of point to Drummond or they point to Kevin Love. They say, well, that guy plays that position and he's good. And so that's what they need. Um, that I, I think that's that misses a lot of, you know, how Brad Stevens likes to play, how uh, the Celtics offense is geared. Uh, you know, there's a lot of that stuff that seems to miss the boat. And, and maybe that's maybe that shouldn't be that way or maybe, you know, Brad needs to be more flexible about the way he you know, runs his offense. Frankly, what we've seen from Rob Williams, you know, these last two weeks uh, or even month, I think leads me to say that hopefully this is Brad kind of opening that up and, and being much more willing to, to look at somebody who's such a, a, a rolling threat to the rim. But yeah. Collins could be that guy, but he's also got that outside shot. He's also, you know, he's, he's, he's much more of a, a scoring um, you know, concern, someone you have to pay attention to. He could be a small ball five in closing lineups. Um, you know, that's that to me is like whoever you're coming, whoever you're bringing in here has got to be somebody who is. A it would key, be awesome if you could keep Rob though, because if you could play Rob at the five and Collins at the four and Tatum at the three and Brown at the two, and then Smart comes off the bench and you know, until 
the opportunity is there and Kemba starts. And, you know, all that length and flexibility will really mask a lot of the Kemba deficiencies on defense. Right, right. No doubt. No doubt. But then you've got to, you know, so then you got to then, – then you're back to the pain issue, right? But at least in terms of fit, you see how that works, you know? Yeah. Except for not enough balls to go around, Kemba Brown. Right. You don't that's have. Another, that's another reason why them. their current center mix works. None of those guys demand the ball, and Smart. if they do, they're the balls in somebody else's hands, making a play yeah. for them. Smart is the only guy of that group that you know, as a six man, even as a six man, and, and Kemba to, to maybe a lesser extent, who's a primary passer. You know, yeah. who's who's really about setting guys up. And I think that's a that's a concern um, in terms of roster construction going forward. And like and look, we want those guys to get better at it. They need to get better at it in terms of Jalen and Jason. Yeah, but Jalen, Jason not, and Collins with a smart and Williams bookend fits a lot better than the one with Kemba, you know, because of all the defense and because smarts are more you know you're you're losing so much by not putting the ball in Kemba's hands that's the issue and it's not that he's not yeah. a passer it's that you're just why why would you do that <laughs> but i think that what i guess what i was maybe this is kind of the other half of what you're saying there is that the concern with collins has been that he's always a guy who uh doesn't can't create his own shot you know, he, you know, he takes advantage of, of opportunities and he can, you know, hit it when it's there, he, you know, but others create shots for him oftentimes. And there aren't many shot creators of that group, um, uh, you know, apart from Smart and, and, and Kemba to a, to a degree, certainly when he's, he's not looking for his own. Uh, if Jalen and Jason can grow in that regard and can become guys who can create, then to a greater degree, and I think they will be, um, then that's that's lessened. But, you know, this is not going to be the 2014 Spurs. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of talent, but making the move, the ball move and, and kind of hockey assist palooza, that's yeah. not going to be that group, you know? Hockey um, assist palooza. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Celtics were like, uh, Scout had this thing where he said the Celtics were like last in hockey assists. That's not a good one. That's not a good sign. No. Those no, the but their ball movement, that... I don't think that that's really how they play. I just think with the them being so tired and everything, like that's definitely how they yeah. have played. They have yes. definitely played that way, and that's why I was getting so pissed. It sure. wasn't that people were tired or they were dealing with injuries. It was that I couldn't stand watching the game. It was freaking boring. Yeah. That I, and was I think the issue. That's... Right, and if you if you put in a Collins or you put in a Barnes, and Jalen and Jason don't feel like they have to carry this franchise up and down the court on the one of the most demanding schedules in NBA history with COVID and blah blah blah, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I think you're gonna get a lot more out of them. You're gonna see, you know, a better defensive effort. You're gonna, I mean, all that. Um, so. Yeah, Jalen was dealing with the knee and and you right. know, all of it. So, all right, yeah. here's so here's last question before we wrap. Uh, they kind of we were dealing with everything you just described, but then 
they went in like a lion to the all-star break. <laughs> are they coming out like a lamb or what? What do you think? No, is I, I, no, I think, I think they, I mean, I don't want to say they figured it out, but I think that, but they got healthy. That's a big thing. Kemba looks better. That's right. That's the, I think that's the main thing. They got Kemba healthy and then they got smart healthy. So they've been basically giving away every back-to-back game they've had really not only over the last month since smart was out, but I think you could almost say even beyond that because they were so exhausted now with Kemba back and you have smart back. It it feels like those weekly back-to-backs are now competitive. And if you're losing a game or even two games every week, because you know, the kind of schedule losses, you know, as we talk about, then that's awfully hard to build momentum and start to feel good about yourself as a team. So I really think that the smart Kemba kind of return in combination really helps to kind of settle things. Uh, and, you know, and, and then we know that, you know, we're about 10 days away from a deal. All right. <laughs> so let, what's the record over the next 10 days then? Uh, or what's the schedule? Let's just go ahead and do that. And, We'll see how we how we map it out. I'm going to be traveling next week, so kind of taking a mini vacation. So it's unlikely we're going to have another show in the next 10 days, or it'll be right about at that 10-day mark. So with that in mind, let's map that 10 days out to the deal. What does yeah, the schedule so, look like? And just go one game at a time. We'll each go win-loss. I'll keep a record on my hand. Man. This is, you know, the Raining Jays just did this. They did their their second half prediction. So we're we're stealing this from from. We're not that, stealing this. Uh, We've been doing this forever. Yeah. Well, yes, but they just their whole schedule prediction thing. That's that's their thing. That was our. But thing. they stole the whole. Well, yeah, yeah, but they do like long tracks at a time. And regardless, uh, we're, we don't we're do doing this long, long before. Tracks. You're right. We usually we, say what's going to happen the next week. Yeah, but, but five but, games, four games. Yeah, but we've been podcasting since they were in diapers, so you know whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> not so much John, but maybe Jay. Right. Oh, yeah, oh, but yeah. it's not John anymore. And Packard. That's right. Oh, yeah, no, Packard. Man, Definitely Packard. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he, he was, was in utero. He was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He was in utero when 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 in utero came out by Nirvana. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> so we got Brooklyn. Brooklyn's the first game, so that's yeah, that's, that's a loss. It's gonna make uh, me so bad. I just know they want to make so. me mad. I don't think so. I think they win this game, and I think part of it is. Uh, I think that Jalen and Jason and Kemp, I think this is kind of like we're our, for, our first time it's our fully formed self. I think the health, the, the rest will be good. I actually think they get this win. I hope so. That sounds and, and no And no Durant as well. So that's important. Oh, wait, why? Uh, he's still out with the, you know, whatever it is, the tendonitis or whatever. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. I- Okay. So that's good. That, no, you're right. That definitely puts things in our favor. Okay. I mean, I, I, I still think Brooklyn's tough. I, not I, I'm still predicting a loss. I'm just okay. kind of sick of the, everyone's starting to genuflect in their direction all the time. Like, oh, uh, they're good, but like. Oh, that's right. This isn't, a, this isn't a basketball thing. This is a Justin hates Kyrie, and it'll put me right. over the top, and that's just how things go for me. 
that's that's but that's just because you're a good judgment of anyway character all right so we got brooklyn then we got all houston. right so you have one win you've got one and oh and i've got oh and one all right, right. next houston and yeah, they're at houston that's a win because houston sucks yeah one and so one two and oh two and oh okay yep uh then they play utah at home yeah. Now they they played Utah tough if for a half, but that was for a half, and then it, you know it 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 was crazy. Um, I think it's I a not Gordon you know, Hayward Utah scuffling a little bit, so you know they scuffled before the break. I know they're strong. So are you going win or loss? I'm gonna go with a a loss there. Okay, I'm going with a win there and the loss against Brooklyn. So we're both two and one. Two and one. Then they play Cleveland the next night. I think that's a win. And three and one. Yep. No Kemba, but they're going to win it anyway. So we're both three and one. Then they play Sacramento and the soon-to-be Celtic uh, Harrison Barnes. (laughs) That's a win to me. That's four and one. Yeah, I'm with you. So that's that's through a week and a half right there. Okay. Uh, Sunday, then they play on Sunday at 3.30 against Orlando. We can go that That's far. That's another win. All right, so, yeah, let's go that far because I have family visiting through the weekend after I come back from Florida. So okay. we'll definitely – it'll be that long. So we're both 5-1, and one and we're only really disagreeing on the Utah and yeah, uh, and 5-1. and one. That's, that's not what I expected to say. I mean – this is the thing. Like, this is a really good stretch for this team. You know, now they go on a four-game road trip after this, um, with the with two games in Milwaukee, not back to back, but yeah, it gets separated by a day. Now. Okay, and that'll be tough. Um, and you know, they got Memphis and they got OKC on that trip. I mean, I think they can they can get a win or two. Um, maybe they'll get a split out of that, but that's also going to be trade deadline week. So you don't know who's available. You might see trades. You might see, you know, I don't think there's any core pieces from the Celtics that are moved. So I'm not too concerned that really changes how I look at that week following what we're looking at. But I think the the month of March could be really good for Boston. You know, I think it could put them kind of back solidly in that kind of three, four range. And how far back from Philly are they? They're like six back, right? Yeah, they're no, they're five back from Philly. Five, okay. Five back from Philly, uh, four and a half back from Brooklyn, uh, and only three games back from Milwaukee. Like I, if if they split with Milwaukee, like I could see them honestly being in the mix for third. I yep. really can. You know, Milwaukee has not. You know, they've had some injuries. Drew's been out, which is you know kind of common. But I, <laughs> I really do think the Celtics can. I think they're going to end up as a top four seed at, at the end of all of this, which is kind of crazy. They'll be in the same spot, but I think the gap between four and below will, will widen. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Know? I, can, I think I could see them. Yeah. I could definitely see them establishing distance from the rest of the pack. I could definitely see them climbing into the top three as well. Me too. Me it's too. It's just tough because that's a strong top three, but. Mm-hmm. It's the main thing is have a relatively easy first round series and try to get yourself in a situation where you have the best possible matchup, um, which to me actually is Philly. Um, yeah, try, so, try to get so to staying, in, staying in four is not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, 
I mean, I mean, Embiid's gonna kill anybody, but I, I, I just like uh, Celtics' ability to spread them out and 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 just how we played them, and then the drama against Doc and everything else. Mm-hmm. Would be great. It'd be great. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally. I, that's what I'm. So that's what I think. That's where you're, you're teeing up is trying to get to that spot. But until then, you know, it's it, they do have to make some additions. They're not gonna be able to go with what they have to get to that place, but. You know, I think that there's some options there, and you know whether it's a, a guy like talking about earlier, talking about Collins, we talk about Barnes, you know, who's probably more of Hayward-esque uh, in terms of his fit, uh, not in terms of how he plays, but in terms of what his role would be. I think that that's less ball handling though, um, but in terms of his scoring load, I think that that's that puts, I think that's very clearly puts them in that place, you know. Uh, it's kind of a do no harm move in in some ways, you know, as long as you don't have to give up too many pieces in the process to make it happen. So should be an interesting ten days while you're on the run. Yeah. Yep. It'll be fun, dude. And then we'll come back and we'll have plenty to talk about for sure. All kinds of rumors by that point. Oh All yeah. Kinds. It'll be sickening. Yeah. <laughs> No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow John at CSL underscore Duke, or you can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. Heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in, and we really would appreciate a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And on behalf of the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poole, and thanks for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. <laughs>